They say that if you suddenly wake with a shudder, a ghost has walked over your grave. I woke with a shudder on that midsummer's day, and although I had no way of foreseeing the evil that day would bring to all of us, it was as if in that waking moment I felt the chill of it, glimpsed the shadow of it, as if something malevolent was hovering just out of sight. It was dark when I woke, that blackest of hours before dawn, when the candles have burnt out and the first rays of sun have not yet pierced the chinks in the shutters. But it wasn't the hour's coldness that made me shiver. We were packed into the sleeping barn too snugly for anyone to feel a draught. Every bed and every inch of floor was occupied by those who had poured into Kilmington for the midsummer fair. The air was fetid with sweat, and the belches, farts, and stinks of stomachs made sour by too much ale. Men and women grunted and snored on the creaking boards, groaning, as here and there a restless sleeper, in the grip of a bad dream, elbowed his neighbor in the ribs. I seldom dream, but that night I had dreamt, and the dream was still with me when I woke. I had dreamt of the bleak lowland hills they call the Cheviots, where England and Scotland crouch, battle-ready, staring each other down. I saw those hills as plainly as if I had been standing there, the rounded peaks and turbulent streams, the wild goats and the wind-tossed rooks, the Pele towers and the squat Bastel farmhouses. I knew them well. I had known that place from the day I first drew breath. It was the place I had once called home. I had not dreamt of it for many years. I had never returned to it. I could never return. I knew that much on the day I walked away from it. And through all the years I have tried to put it from my mind, and mostly I have succeeded. There's no point in hankering for a place you cannot be. Anyway, what is home? The place where you were born? The place where you are still remembered? The memory of me will have long since rotted to dust. And even if there were any left alive who still remember, they would never forgive me, could never absolve me for what I have done. And on that midsummer's day, when I dreamt of those hills, I was about as far from home as it is possible to be. I've traveled for many years, so many that I have long since ceased to count them. Besides, it's of no consequence. The sun rises in the east and sinks in the west, and we told ourselves it always would. I should have known better than to believe that. I am, after all, a camelot, a peddler, a hawker of hopes and crossed fingers, of pie-crust promises and gilded stories. And believe me, there are plenty who will buy such things. I sell faith in a bottle, the water of the Jordan, drawn from the very spot where the dove descended, the bones of the innocents slaughtered in Bethlehem, and the shards of the lamps carried by the wise virgins. I offer skeins of Mary Magdalene's hair, redder than a young boy's blushes, and the white milk of the Virgin Mary, in tiny ampoules, no plumper than her nipples. I show them blackened fingers of St. Joseph, 
palm leaves from the promised land, and hair from the very ass that bore our blessed Lord into Jerusalem. And they believe me, they believe it all. For haven't I the scar to prove I've been all the way to the Holy Land to fight the heathen for these scraps? You can't avoid my scar, purple and puckered as a hag's asshole, spreading my nose half across my cheek. They sewed up the hole where my eye should have been, and over the years the lid has shrunk and shriveled into the socket, like the skin on a cold milk pudding. But I don't attempt to hide my face, for what better provenance can you want? What greater proof that every bone I sell is genuine, that every drop of blood splashed down upon the very stones of the holy city itself? And I can tell them such stories, how I severed a Saracen's hand to wrest the strips of our Lord's swaddling clothes from his profaning grasp, how I had to slaughter five, nay, a dozen men, just to dip my flask into the Jordan. I charge extra for the stories, of course. I always charge. We all have to make a living in this world, and there are as many ways of getting by in this life as there are people in it. Compared to some, my trade might be considered respectable, and it does no harm. You might say it even does good, for I sell hope, and that's the most precious treasure of them all. Hope may be an illusion, but it's what keeps you from jumping in the river or swallowing hemlock. Hope is a beautiful lie, and it requires talent to create it for others. And back then on that day, when they say it first began, I truly believed that the creation of hope was the greatest of all the arts, the noblest of all the lies. I was wrong. That day was counted a day of ill fortune by those who believe in such things. They like to have a day to fix it on, as if death can have an hour of birth, or destruction a moment of conception. So they pinned it upon Midsummer's Day, 1348, a date that everyone can remember. That was the day on which humans and beasts alike became the wager in a divine game. That was the cusp upon which the scales of heaven and hell swung free.